0: I want to start by asking you a question. Do you believe in miracles? Personal questions, you don't have to answer it out loud. This is just for you. What's your experience around the question of miracles? Uh, we read in the New Testament, we read especially in the book of Acts, of all these amazing things taking place. And it can lead us to ask questions of, do I actually believe that they happened? Or, or do I actually believe that miracles can happen today? Uh, sometimes we, we hear of stories that go on in other countries or other places and, and it seems like miracles are alive and well there, but, but then maybe we don't see them. Why don't we see miracles today? Why don't we necessarily see miraculous healings As a general rule, as I said, there are those who would say that they see them, but why is it that we don't see miracles today? Well, one of the reasons that is given, one of the thoughts, one of the theologies around this is what's called cessationalism. Uh, It's the belief that the miracles and the spiritual gifts were actually just for the time of Jesus and that once the early church and Jesus kind of passed away, uh, those things stopped and the spirit didn't provide those gifts. That's one of the understandings. Uh, One of the theologies or teachings that might be given as to why do we not necessarily see so many miracles in the West, Uh, why is it that we don't see that happening, Uh, is that we lack faith. That for whatever reason in our our Western culture, because it mostly seems to be the Western culture that says miracles don't happen, uh, we lack faith. We, We don't believe and therefore we don't see. Uh, In some cases, it's just basically said, well, actually, miracles don't happen. Miracles were never true. They were fanciful. They weren't really there. Do you believe in miracles? Do we see miracles today? Well, to some degree, and I'm not going to go into the full depths of that, but to some degree, it depends a little bit on what you're looking for. What was the point of miracles? Why did miracles occur in the Bible? What was going on behind the scenes? What was God doing with the miracles? What was their purpose? And what was their place? What might miracles look like in a 21st century context? Maybe even specifically a Western 21st century context. Now, just so we're kind of on the same page and we have a bit of an idea, uh, a miracle, one of the definitions of a miracle is this an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. It's an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world, something that we can know, something that we can see, something that's tangible that surpasses all known natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. We're working our story through a series that called Becoming the Church. And as I sort of alluded to before, we're exploring the Acts Church, the church at the very beginning, because the book of Acts is really the story of how the church began. It's how the church went from 120 kind of fledgling Christians who were all Jewish all kind of huddled together and exploded to become the church that is still the majority religion in the world today. From one little place in little Judea all the way out to the extent of the four corners of the world. What did the church experience? What led to that? What what gave them the power? What gave them the strength to become what they were? So last week we looked at the radical community of the early church and how they gathered together and did all these things together and had so much in common and the spirit moved and it was an amazing experience. And they loved one another and they served one another and they gave to one another and they, it was just this amazing place. And so today we're going to look at what happens next, what sort of moves along in the story. They, they start to sort of be a part of life in the community. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to join with me Picking up at Acts chapter 3. So we're going to jump in at Acts chapter 3. Bibles, phones, whatever it might be that you'd like to follow along with. Picking it up at verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. At 3 in the afternoon. Now, the important thing there is there were three times of prayer across the day. 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock. So this is just letting us know this was one of those times. And often at those times, if you were near the temple, you would head to the temple to be a part of the prayer. So here's the interesting thing. Christians are still going to the temple. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Here's a fairly typical picture. This was normal at the time of Jesus. This is normal today. There'll be times that you'll be walking along the road. You'll be going along and there'll be someone sitting there asking for money maybe they got a hat maybe they got something else that hasn't changed and so here we have a group of christians walking along and they come across this man who is lame and he asks for money and they turn to him and say look at us and he expects money all the man is expecting right now is maybe a couple of coins maybe a maybe if they're really lucky a denarii which is a full day's wage like that would be like oh my goodness how have you given me so much money He has no broad expectation beyond that. But Peter and John have something else in mind. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Never has there been more of a subtle statement of what I'm sure the man was actually feeling. Just imagine for a moment, you have been lame since birth. It tells us he's a man. so At the very least, he's 13 years old because you became a man at 13, roughly speaking. He's probably much older than that. You've been at the complete beck and call of somebody else for all of your life. You've required other people to take you to your spot. And now these two people have come along and have said, walk, and you've gotten up. And you've walked. An amazing story. See, rather than offering a short-term fix the disciples change his life. Rather than just giving him a couple of coins and sort of moving on, maybe giving him a meal, maybe just giving him something simple, they radically alter his life trajectory. I can't imagine what it would have been like for this man. Such an incredible change. And yet, interestingly, Jesus had almost certainly ignored him. Because it tells us, now a man who was lame from birth was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day. This story only happens a little while after Jesus has been crucified. At most, maybe a year or two, but it's almost certainly even closer than that. And Jesus went up to the temple many, 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 times. And almost certainly along the way, he walked past this man. He didn't heal him those days. In fact, it's almost certain, it's hard to make an argument of absence, but the reality is, it's almost certain that Jesus walked past a lot of people that needed his help. It's almost certain that Jesus walked past a lot of people who he could have fixed just by clicking his fingers and they would have been saved. But it wasn't about that. There was something else. There was another reason for the miraculous to occur. There was another reason for this man to be allowed to walk on this day at this time. So what was the point of this miracle? How might that in some way, illuminate our own experience of what it can look like in our world today. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him because they'd seen him every day. He sits there every day. This was not some obscure person that they'd never met. They had walked past him and tried to ignore him and tried not to give him any coins. Maybe some of them had given him a coin every now and then or a bit of bread or something like that. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They could not deny what they saw. This was the same man that had been sitting there. It was either a really long con because he'd been sitting there every day for years. That's a lot of commitment if you couldn't walk or if you actually could walk. Either it had been a really long con or this is the man who had been lame, who had been sitting there and now all of a sudden, he is jumping and screaming and praising God. See, what's happened here is people saw someone they knew one way and now he's another way. People saw someone who had a particular characteristic or something that they knew about them that now all of a sudden is no longer the case. There's been a radical change in this person's life circumstance. And Peter was never afraid to actually stand up and have a bit of a talk. He was never afraid to take the example, take something that goes on and go, all right, I'm going to strike while the iron's hot. So Peter stands up. When the, while, the man held, sorry, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy righteous one. And ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that is completely healed, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, and times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. So something miraculous has occurred. But the miracle isn't what's important. See, one of our challenges as we read through this, and it's at a distance because we don't see these things going on, is we're really enamored by the power. We're really enamored by the miracle. We're like, I want to see that take place. But what's actually important was the purpose The purpose of this miracle was that people would believe in the name of Jesus. The reason why this miracle happened that day in that place and hadn't happened before for whatever reason was that it wasn't actually about the lame man being healed. It was that people would see that through the name of Jesus this could occur. It was that through this man's testimony, people would know the power of the name of Jesus. The purpose of miracles was to confirm the truth of the good news of Jesus. Now, here's the reality. I haven't seen a miraculous healing. I know of people who swear they have. I have some natural skepticism, being honest with you. I struggle in some cases. But I've seen people that I knew one way who met Jesus and are now completely different. I've seen people that I knew had something about them which was toxic or terrible or just wasn't the sort of thing you wanted to be around. And they met Jesus and overnight in some cases, they became completely different. So I believe that your story could be someone's miracle. The things that you've experienced, the change that's happened in your life, and you might be sitting here, well, you know, I don't have an amazing testimony. I wasn't like a drug smuggler or I wasn't like, you know, those really, really big stories. No, sometimes all it takes is people at work know that you're irritable. You know, you know how you can get Sometimes. But then somehow through Jesus, somehow through something that he did in your life or a move that takes place, all of a sudden, that's not your story. And it stands out. And it's noticed. The reality is is that the church has always been in the transformation business. Following Jesus isn't just about the moment that you give your life to him. It's about the rest of your life, each and every day, where he desires to walk with you and work in you and transform you from who you are in the deepest and the darkest corners of your life, and only you know what's there. In some cases it might be more visible, but oftentimes it's just within for yourself. And walking with you miraculously to transform you to become a different person and that the people around you would see you and go, hey, didn't they used to be? Hey, wasn't that Frank who used to be always? Hey, wasn't that Sally who used to always? Hey, wasn't that? Hey, weren't they always really worried and scared or upset? And now they've got all this confidence and strength and where did that come from? How did that happen? Your current story What you tell yourself at the moment doesn't have to be your life story. You know those things that you've got going on in your heart and your mind at the moment where you feel broken, where you feel lost, where you feel there is no hope with this. This cannot change. The miracles that I still see, I'm not... I don't exclude the reality of other miracles. I actually do think that the same spirit who lived in us in Jesus' days is the same spirit that lives us today and can absolutely bring miracles. But I know much of the power that I see go on in people's lives is taking those deep, dark corners and recesses and those things that you hold to and go, I really wish something could happen here. And I wish I could just click my fingers and it would just go away and that would just change. One of the challenges that we have though is that sometimes God doesn't answer those bits of our story in the way that we would like him to. Those people that have got significant sicknesses and that were like, surely in the name of Jesus, they could just be healed and it would be a testimony to God and, and wouldn't it be great if that would occur? And for whatever reason, that's not the story God gives But sometimes he gives another story. And I've got one I want to share with you. And I'll see if I can get through it. Many of you know um, Roger and Barb. uh, Have been a part of this church for a long time. Amazing people. Uh, In case you haven't heard, and I'm sorry if you're hearing this today, uh, Barb is fighting terminal cancer. She's almost certainly closer to the end than the beginning of her diagnosis. All right. She's got some dates in February that she really wants to get to. Now, I had coffee with them recently. I was borrowing a trailer and I managed to stop and have coffee because it was a really good opportunity. And I didn't really know what to expect. Like, I've never had to face my mortality, really. We all know our mortality could happen at any time. Barb just about has a date. And yet I sat there, and I have never been in the room with a more positive person. One of the things that Barb said, uh, no one would choose, I'm paraphrasing, no one would choose to have, she wouldn't choose to have this cancer. If you'd given her the choice before she diagnosed, she would never choose to have this happen. But she's going to choose how she lives. And they shared a story of she was in hospital over Christmas. She really didn't want to go to hospital at Christmas because she knows it'll be her last Christmas. And she really didn't want to go, but she ended up having to go at the very end of Christmas Day. She ended up at hospital. And then during that week, uh, again, a nurse came in to see them just at the end of her shift. And she said, this is what the nurse said to Barb. I just wanted to come and say goodbye to the most positive room in the hospital. I just wanted to come and say goodbye to the happiest room in the hospital. Barb's got terminal cancer. And yet the hospital staff want to go to her room because she's so positive. Not looking forward to, not excited by but has a hope that goes beyond the natural. That is a miracle. That she facing this, because she knows there is life beyond death. She is not concerned about what will happen beyond. She holds something greater than life itself. That doesn't make sense to the average person. That doesn't make sense to those that don't have hope beyond this life. That is obscure and odd. And yet I know that if I was in this experience, if I was in this place, I really hope that I could have the the attitude that Barb has towards it. That I could be so confident and so sure And that that would be an incredible testimony to the people in her life. Because without the hope of Jesus Christ, it does not make sense. Without the hope of Jesus Christ, it's, it's like, this is ridiculous. Like You're suffering. You're going through this. Isn't this terrible? You know, how could God allow this? Not for a second, well I can't say she's never thought that, I didn't ask her specifically, but it certainly isn't what she's expressing and it certainly isn't in any of her attitudes. She has such a firm hope in her Saviour that in the midst of this time, she knows there is hope. So her story isn't necessarily going to end with a radical trance. It's not going to necessarily end with someone coming in and saying, in the name of Jesus be healed and she'd be healed. And we would all love that. But just because that doesn't occur doesn't mean a miracle hasn't occurred. It doesn't mean that we can't see the hand of God in so many ways. Your story doesn't have to be your life story. Where you're currently at, those current battles, those current challenges, may not be that they're answered the way that you want them to be. But you can choose to some degree how you face them. And just as that is the case, your friend's current story doesn't have to be their life story. Those who are lost, those who don't know Jesus, those who have no hope, those who wouldn't be able to face death with the same certainty and confidence. And maybe your story will be the miracle that they need to know Jesus. Maybe seeing aspects of you or hearing you be willing to share with them what's really going on and going through some of those challenges. Maybe, just maybe, that'll be the miracle that they need. So I'll be honest, I don't see lots of crazy, miraculous things taking place in the Western church. I would love to. I long for the day where there would be a fresh sweep of the Spirit coming through and that would be what we see. But I also don't want to get caught up in looking for the miraculously powerful, those things that might be obscure. I want to look for the miracles that happen every day. I want to see the Spirit that is alive and active in the world today. Because the purpose of miracles is to confirm the teaching of Jesus. The purpose of miracles is to demonstrate the reality of the hope that we can have in Jesus. So I'm going to live for that. I'm going to look for that. I'm going to share that. Because that's what my friends need. That's what my family who don't know Jesus need. And I'm going to be open to my own transformation. I'm not perfect, in case you're wondering. you were wondering. You weren't, that's okay. Um, there are things, there are areas, there are ways in my life that I need transformation. I am not even say I need a miracle because they're entrenched. Like, I'm 37. There are things in me that are entrenched. There are things that I do that are entrenched. And it would seem like it would just never change. But in and through the power of the Spirit, transformation can occur. And that's what I will pray for. And that's what I will long for. And that's what I will live for. I invite you to do the same. The church is in the transformation business. You come here not just because you've got nothing better to do on Sunday morning. I'm sure you've got many things. We gather in this place to honour and celebrate and cherish the one who gave his life for us. And because we need to believe that there is hope beyond what we might know in the day to day. The church is in the transformation business. Your story, your current story, doesn't have to be your life story. Your friend's current story doesn't have to be their life story. So as a church, we are committed to making a difference in the Shire of Mari, in the broader pill region, and to the ends of the earth, transforming people in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the power of your spirit. Your spirit is alive and active in the world today. And we thank you, Lord, that you desire to transform us. We pray that you would help us in our own areas of weakness, in our own areas of lameness, in our own areas of, of sense that this can't be fixed, this can't change, this is just who I am. Lord, that through the power of your Spirit, you would transform our hearts and our minds and our lives this day and every day to reflect the person that you made us to be. Help us as we journey. Help us as we wrestle. Help us as we struggle. It's not always a glorious, immediate transformation. Help us as we carry one another's burdens. Help us to be a place that is willing to journey and to walk alongside and to hold up and to strengthen and to challenge and to encourage and to bring your spirit into the story. Help us to be a church that inspires and sees transformation as the heart of what we do. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.